0: With you today. I have adopted the theme of a big picture because I'm a bit of a big picture person actually. Last year I um, worked for National Council of Churches and I had the incredible privilege of interviewing pretty much all of the senior national leaders of Australian churches. So I've got this amazing snapshot really of what's happening across Australia with the Australian Church. Um, But being a big picture person. I'm not very good at detail. And one of the worst things in our household about the NBN coming through is that we decided to stop having a landline. And now I can't find my phone. <laughs> I used to keep ringing my mobile and using the landline. Now I can't find the darn thing because I'm not a detailed person and I don't know where i put my phone down. So I spending so much of my time looking for my phone or looking for my car keys. You know, you detail people, you're okay. You put these things in the same spot all the time. But we big picture people, we don't. It's a bit of a blight. But anyway, God's grace is still with me and I'm trying to develop some better habits around putting things in the same spot. Anyway, what I'm actually focusing on is the big picture today of the story of the Bible. Probably most of us know it, but it's good to revise now and then because whenever we're reading a passage of scripture, it helps us to know where does this fit. That really gives us a sense of how do we interpret some of the strange passages in the Bible. Where does it fit in the big theme of God's story? Say there are actually multiple, but I've picked out one in particular. But I'm going to do a race through the Bible in 20 minutes. Okay, so let's begin at the very beginning. The scriptures begin, of course, in Genesis and the creation of all things. Um, God said, "Let there be light." There was the universe comes into being. God makes vegetation. God makes creatures. Um, Finally, and this is the pinnacle of Genesis chapter 1, God creates humankind in his image. Male and female, he created them. It's actually an extraordinary thing to think about that the God who made the entire unimaginably large universe particularly spoke to human beings and created them in his own image. It's like this is the basis human rights. This is why we look at children and say they're so, so precious. They bear the image of our Creator. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, endure it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God saw everything that we made and it. Was good. And that word blessed is actually a really interesting one. I studied Greek very painfully. I don't actually know much Hebrew, but I did look into this word a bit. And it actually comes from the root of to meal. It kind of comes from a sense of paying homage. Could be from drinking water. but also giving a gift, giving an offering. And again, this is an extraordinary thing. If we look at the creation stories of most indigenous people, um, you know, the gods are a bit capricious, and the gods make us their slaves, and the gods do all these crazy things. But Yahweh is the one who actually honours us. He honours the humans that he has made. He blesses them. He honours them. He says you are of immense value. Yahweh is the God of love who honours human beings. There's another word sometimes used in the Hebrew Bible for blessing, which is esher, meaning happiness or joy. It's often used in the Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord. Uh, God actually has a heart
1: because he loves us, to bless us, a heart that we thrive.
0: God is love. His nature is love. He pours out his love. He is the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His very nature is love in relationship. And what does God ask of us? Well, anyone who loves knows to be loved back. Love the Lord of God with all my heart, and mind, and soul. When I was at university, I fell wildly in love. <sighs> but it was unrequited. And there is this pain, isn't there, of unrequited love. I wonder what it's like for the heart of God with unrequited love. Okay, next up is a story, of course, is what we call the full is in human nature, imagine looking after a toddler, there are a hundred toys scattered all over the floor, and then they find a fork and a PowerPoint. And you say, no, you may not play with the PowerPoint. There's something about it that is irresistible. There's something in human nature that just doesn't like being told what to do. So God... He says, you can have any fruit of any tree in the whole garden, except for one. And there's something irresistible about that in human nature. Of course, as the story goes on, Adam and Eve take the fruit, they realise what they've done, they discover they're naked, they're ashamed, they're hiding, they're covering themselves with fig leaves a sense of there's a schism in the heart of humankind. We fall short. We experience guilt. We experience shame. And that often leads to not only covering up, but also blame. The woman you put here it wasn't really my fault. The woman you put here gave me the fruit. Really it's your fault, God. And this terrible woman you gave me Um, And we see it all over, don't we? I mean, we just had an election. Lots of blaming. I'm sure there was lots of blaming going on at Labour Party headquarters (laughs) last night. Um, There is something in human nature. Uh, God actually said, The day you eat the tree of the fruit of knowledge, wouldn't evil, you will die. Adam and Eve didn't literally die that day. Um, but spiritual death is actually this separation this schism between us and God a freedom of relationship we're intended to have but there's actually a separation instead Okay, consequences of sin start to roll out across humankind we have Cain killing his brother Abel out of jealousy and when confronted, I don't know where he is. Among my brother's sleeper, this avoidance soon starts to play itself out. The wickedness of humankind became great, and the earth was filled with violence. We then get the story of Noah. He was a righteous person, and of the flood. Believe me, I will speak up. I'll just say I'll get through the Bible in the 20 minutes. This is some of the first few chapters of Genesis. It will get faster. Anyway, after the flood, there is this theme that comes again of what God does is repeat blessing. Remember Barak, the bowing of the knee, the honouring. God blessed Noah and his sons and asked them to be fruitful multiply. Next bit of the story. The people decided to make a name for themselves. You know, I think it's another way we cover up for our sense of shame and sin and guilt and inadequacy is trying to kind of create a reputation. And this is part of what happens in the story of the Tower of Babel. There's an interesting fact on the screen, I don't know how well you can read it, but in the US in 2007, 51% of 18 to 25-year-olds surveyed in a Pew Research Centre poll said being famous is their most important or second most important life goal. Isn't that interesting? I think there's 350 million people in America, isn't there? A realistic ambition for most of them. There's something about reputation. Uh, I wonder if social media has helped make this uh, thing even accelerated in our time. God scatters people over the earth, and then we get God hitting the reset button again. And God speaks to a very interesting fallen, complicated person called Abram, but who is a person of faith. And God says to Abram, "I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and all the families of earth shall be blessed through you." It's an amazing promise, isn't it? It's a repetition of the theme of blessing. God. of Abraham with a call in our lives to be a blessing, to bless all of the earth, to have a heart for others, to have a heart for our local community, to have a heart for the ends of the earth. So it's a profound calling we have, actually, to be people of blessing. We inherit blessings from God through Christ, and we're called to be a people who bless others. It's exciting to hear about Uh, What you are doing as a church in seeking to bless families in the community. And it's part of your calling here to see how can we bless others around us. I wonder in your own little world, your own schools, your own workplaces, your own neighbourhoods, how God might be inviting you to be a blessing. I really am going to speed up now. Okay. So, the next part of the story is uh, Abrams has a son and then uh, we get to Joseph and his amazing technicolour dream coat, thank you Andrew Lloyd Webber, Uh, as one of Abrams' descendants actually saves Egypt from a famine and then the children of Israel, one of Abrams' descendants, hang around in Egypt for 400 years. After 400 years they are all made slaves and they start praying to God to rescue them from their slavery. Uh, so Moses is sent by God to uh, rescue the children of Israel who are by now under very, living under very harsh conditions. Moses tells Pharaoh that God wants them to let the people go. And Pharaoh says no, so then there's the ten plagues and finally the Pharaoh says, oh for goodness sakes, let's get rid of these people of Israel and they cross over the Red Sea. That's actually an interesting metaphor because the New Testament picks it up and says the crossing of the Red Sea is like baptism. It's going on a journey from a life of slavery, life of bondage into a life of freedom as children of God. Um, so it's a a profound metaphor after this the people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years and after Jesus' baptism actually he went out out to the desert for 40 years too I wonder if you had a desert of sorts after your baptism as they've crossed the, the Red Sea God gave Moses commandments why is this so? In part, this is really interesting from Deuteronomy. You must observe these statutes diligently, for this will show wisdom and discernment to the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and discerning people. What other great nation has a God so near to it as Yahweh, our God, whenever we call to him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as just as this law I'm setting before you today? So back in this really primitive time, in a sense, there were all these laws about you've got to leave the edges of your field so that the poor have something to eat. Every seven years, you've got to clear all the debts. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if every seven years the bank said, she'll be right and we just done? was a society, if followed, if the spirit of the laws were followed, there'd be no long-term slavery. Every 49 years, ancestral land would be returned to people, if they had lost it over that time, so that they wouldn't become these entrenched monopolies. Israel never quite followed the laws as well as they should have, but they were really quite revolutionary back in their time. of that wilderness experience, of course, was God testing his people. They came and there was a conquest with Joshua into the promised land, the land that God had promised back to Abram. There was a period of time where Israel was kind of looked after by judges who had a prophetic ministry. But after a while, the people of Israel who settled in that country promised Abram got a bit tired of just having judges and wanted to have a king. We want to have a king like all the rest of the nations they said to the prophet Samuel and so he gave them Saul. and then the next king along the track was David. There was an interesting prophecy over the life of David that the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Now David's descendants aren't actually ruling in Israel right this second but the prophecy has a little twist to it in that Jesus was a descendant of David in the time of the kings there were good kings and there were some not so good kings and Israel often got involved in idolatry instead of following the law of God, having a nation of justice, that would be a light to the nations. Instead, they did all sorts of not-so-great things. Um, And at the time of Isaiah, he gives a prophetic warning that Babylon will come and conquer the nation of Israel, which is exactly what happened. were sent off to Babylon in exile they did start coming back to Israel after the, uh, the Persian king said they could start returning but there was a period a long period of 70 years of exile out of Israel before they started coming back Isaiah also gave a prophecy of hope he said, there will be a time where a child has been born to us, a son given to us, authority rests on his shoulders, his name, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah looked forward to the time that Christ would come as God in the flesh. The Prince of Peace is another interesting word. Because Shalom has this idea of of hope, of wholeness, of harmony between peoples, prosperity and peace, soundness, wholeness, fullness. So this Prince of Peace is going to restore all things to a state of wholeness. It's a fabulous, fabulous word and a fabulous image of what's on God's heart to bless our earth. So I did some interesting prophecies too that this Prince of Peace will also be a suffering servant despised and rejected a man of suffering acquainted with infirmity. but he was wounded for our transgressions crushed for our iniquities. upon him was the punishment that made us whole and by his bruises we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we've all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the well. This is really heading towards the epicenter of God's big story. Jesus coming. Jesus, the one who has prophesied, the son of David, the descendant of that king, who is the Messiah. Who Jesus was and gave a prophetic word over his life, that he would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to the people Israel. Jesus would be the one through whom the whole earth would be blessed. I love these words of Jesus. You know, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. This has always been God's heart, right from the time we look at. The creation of Adam and Eve and the pronouncing of, of blessing, that we would have a life of joy, a life of abundance. Eugene Peterson translates this particular verse as he came that I came that they might have more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is what's on the heart of our loving God for humankind, for every human being on this earth, from the smallest child to the oldest person, his heart is for life and love and blessing. He wants us to know that we are all deeply loved, of deep value. He wants us to know his joy. talked about that word Barak which means, or has a sense of bending the knee and that is actually literally what Jesus modelled when it was before his crucifixion before the last supper he literally knelt before all of his disciples and set an example of what it means to be a person who serves what it is to be a person who loves it is to be a person who gives honour to others. We're invited to step into Jesus' steps. To be people who also give others honour, give others service, give others value because we follow his loving example in the power of his loving spirit. He is our example. This act predated, or came just before, the really central thing in the big picture of God's story. And that is the death of Jesus for us. That Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we think back to that first story of Adam and Eve hiding in the garden with guilt and shame. And Isaiah's prophecy that that guilt and that shame, that iniquity, will be raised on Jesus. He took it on himself. So why do we sometimes hold on to our own guilt? Jesus wants us. Let it go because God has put it all onto Him. If the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus' death is enough to set us free. Not only did Jesus die for us, but Jesus rose for us. This is the great news of the Christian faith. Not only has He taken on our guilt and shame and sin, but it's also the first fruits of those who will rise from the dead. Anyone who believes in me, he says, will never die. The final wrap of the Bible is Revelation. When Christ, who ascended to heaven, will come again and renew all things. There will be a renewed heaven, a renewed earth, Where there'll be no more deaths, crying, or pain. Where the former things, the broken things, the sinful things, have all passed away. Where those who are Christ's followers will reign with him forever and ever. So I told you I could do it in 20 minutes. You doubted me, didn't you? So just a couple of questions to reflect on. If we think about the heart of God, who loves us, who blesses us, who frees us, who's created us in our image, is there any area of your life now where you think, gee, I want more of the blessing of God? Where actually I might need a sense of release, from some burden I've been carrying. I couldn't edit the slide, but I i also had a second slide which I forgot to put on. Another question you might want to sit with too, is there might be something stirring in you where you are wanting to bless others, where there's that little niggle in your heart that says, oh, I really should help out with mainly music. A little niggle in your heart that says, That person next door to me, I know they're having a bit of a hard time and I really haven't said hello to them for the last six months and maybe it's time I knocked on the door. Because God invites us to be his hands and feet also, to share his love, his heart, his desire to bless to every person on this earth. So I'm going to invite you to just have a bit of time to reflect before we close the service. Is that right? Am I allowed to do that? So it's like you have five minutes or so. Now, if you're an external processor and extrovert like me, you might want to find another external processor extrovert and have a little talk to them about what this is staring up for you, what that question evokes for you. And if you are an internal processor or, in, you know, introvert, and you just want to sort of think and pray, just close your eyes, get your piece of paper or write on your phone and give the vibe actually it's going to be more helpful for me to just reflect on this quietly myself so I'm going to give you five minutes to do just that let's just pray Lord God we thank you for your heart that is so full of love we thank you It's your desire to bless. We thank you that it's your desire to bless every man, woman, and child on this earth. We thank you that it's on your heart to bring shalom to all people and to all nations. We thank you that you've poured out your love through Jesus thank you that you have dealt with sin and death through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's power that lives within us. Lord, we want to be agents of your love and blessing. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all of us, Acts of goodness and kindness and grace that flow out through these people. And I pray your continued favour. And I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. That the Lord will make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord will lift his countenance upon you and give you peace.